Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Hello, I am Dave Denholm. Welcome to 2020 as we cover soccer like nobody else here in Southern California. We are the home of world football in this beautiful area of the country. We are the home of LAFC as we get ready for another season, the third season for the black and gold. And I cannot wait. I am so pumped up for this year on so many levels, not just MLS, not just LAFC. So much to get to. L.A. Galaxy making moves. Reshaping a roster here for 2020. They pick up Alexander Katai, formerly of the Chicago Fire. Kind of an attacking player. I didn't think he really fit well with Chicago. I actually am very intrigued by this move for the Galaxy. He is a a very kind of smart, heady soccer player. I think, you know, look, he's he's not Zlatan Ibrahimovic, obviously, but... I think it was a good pickup. And they get Emiliano Insua, a defender from Stuttgart, who's now in the second division in Germany. But they've been for many years. I saw Insua play. I covered him at the Bundesliga with Fox. And, yeah, I mean, that's a good pickup defensively. Still, I think he's only still 30. LAFC re-signed a couple of seasoned veterans in defense. Jordan Harvey, our buddy, and Dejan Jakovic are going to be back in the fold for the black and gold here. In 2020, they made that official. Very good moves there, without question, for the black and gold. And, I, you know, I just think that when you look at the Harvey and Yakovich, you just cannot have enough experience for what LAFC is going to. I'm going to break this down a little further in the show. For what LAFC is going to have to go through here in 2020, you cannot have enough experience because they are a young team. Right Now, they've been through it all. they winner of the Supporter Shield. Best record I've, we've ever seen in MLS. It's not like these guys don't have the experience. It's basically the same core. That's good. So it, the number doesn't matter, like 19 years old, 28 years old. It doesn't matter. But they are still a young squad. So to have those guys, and I'm not sitting here telling you that Jordan Harvey is even going to play as much as he did last, this last season, which was a lot. He had a great year. Maybe his minutes and workload get cut back a little bit because you have a Cheeky Palacios who's here. You've got Mohamed El Munir, you know. But there's a ton of opportunity. Dejan Jakovic, i got to be honest with you. I really like Jakovic as a pro. And I know it's like, well, he's not going to be a guy you're going to play 34 times. Frankly, you hope you don't have to start Dejan Jakovic 34 times. And what I mean by that is, Health for Walker Zimmerman, Eddie Segura, Tristan Blackman. You hope they're super healthy, right? You hope you're not relying on Dejan Jakovic. He's at towards the end of his career, age-wise, right? You're, you don't want to play the guy 40 games. But I loved what I saw to Dejan Jakovic specifically against the Galaxy when he came in for limited minutes there in that last. He bodied up Zlatan and he went at it. And he's smart. And savvy, and that's what the Harvey and Yakovich bring. So, I love the moves. I really do. I, I I think those are just smart signings. Good guys. Obviously, know the situation. They know Bob Bradley and what he he and his staff want. So again, can't can't complain about those as well. So I'm I'm really super pumped as we're getting ready for this. And this 2020 kickoff for both teams. Now, LAFC's got some interesting, uh, well, 
there's some stuff coming on in the uh, Olympic qualifying in South America, right? Call me a ball is coming up. That is really going to affect LAFC. It's the world we know how it's the world we live in with soccer, right? Guys are going to get called up, and you want them to get called up for international duty. That means you've got good players. But here it comes. It's the uh, Olympic tournament, essentially, pre-Olympic tournament, coming up for Comibol. And when I say coming up, it's <laughs> seemingly minutes away. So, uh, you know, with the uh, qualifying and all that. And obviously, LAFC, who has done a great job scouting, are going to be affected by that with players like Diego Rossi and Ginella and Eddie Segura and Eduard Atuesta. So we'll see what happens. It's being played in Colombia. It's going to go all the way right right around through mid-January through the early part of February. That's a lot of training camp. Now, again, teams may not quite go that far. I think February 9th is like the final if one of the teams gets there. So, or if they even get to like a semifinal situation, I think they have games on the 9th of February. So we'll see what happens. But it is another thing that, you know, Bob Bradley and his staff is going to have to work, are going to have to work through on a already quick and, I guess, pressure-packed preseason because you've got the CONCACAF Champions League staring you in the face. You've got Leon on the docket, right? And you've got the earliest possible, essentially, game you can play against Leon when it comes to the Champions League. they got the first day, that Tuesday, at Leon. So here we go. There will be no uh, messing around to start 2020, which I kind of love. i got to be honest with you. I love it from the standpoint of let's hit the ground running. Tuesday, February 18th at Estadio Leon. Let's just go. Toe-to-toe with Mexico. Toe-to-toe with Leon, a very good club. And let's see what happens. For me, I'm all pumped up. You can hear it. I'm jacked up about that. So I'm ready to go. I'm glad we don't have to wait now till March 1st, which is the first MLS game that we talked about against Inter-Miami at the bank. I am. I'm Obviously, you want to be in the Champions League. That's a good thing. But I'm just glad to get going. LAFC will kick off with the earlier spring training if you will earlier day they're allowed by mls they will now kick off and i think it's what january 11th so we're just days away from that oh cannot wait cannot wait i don't know if mark anthony k is he going to be uh, involved with the canada they got a friendly coming up in mid-january the 15th they're going to be taking on uh, orange county or i'm sorry at orange county great park down in irvine they're going to take on iceland Remember, Canada's got some work to do. They're trying to build up their uh, FIFA ranking again uh, because of the CONCACAF, the Nations League, and how we qualify for all that. We'll we'll get into that another day. So a lot going on with MLS, to be sure. A lot going on with the U.S. men's national team. Uh, Greg Berhalter announcing 25 players for a camp coming up in Qatar. Oh, by the way, one of those names we'll be very familiar with, especially Walker Zimmerman will be in a part of that camp. So he'll be gone for that camp from January 5th to the 25th, and then they play Costa Rica down in Carson on the 1st. We all know this, right? So we'll see how, how much of that Walker is involved in. Obviously, he has a big future with the U.S. men's national team, 11 caps for Zimmerman already. L.A. Galaxy very well represented as well. Right? Julian Araujo. 
coming in for the Galaxy defensively, and Sebastian Legette. As much as we have on this show made a conscious effort to ban LA Galaxy guests, except for Chris Klein, we're not changing. That's not. Uh, we're not uh, turning over a new leaf in 2020 here. We're going to be just as petty. I'm going to whisper it. I don't even know if Mario knows. I'm going to. I think Sebastian Legette individually is, and I could be wrong. I think Sebastian Legette is one of Mario Reed's, the great producer of this show and the great producer of LAFC. He's one of his favorite players. The boy, yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, boy. see, I knew it. I felt it. He's been nice yeah. to me. Yes, yes, he has. Good guy. Obviously, we loved having him on the show in the past, Mario, but I'm not going to bury that grudge with the Galaxy right of now. Of course not. I'm not. No, 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 no. They're banned. banned. They're banned from the show still, except for Chris Klein. Yeah. He can come on. That's how it goes. He can come on to break the ban. In fact, when Chris Klein comes on the show, not if, that will actually break the ban all the way around. And we'll get off to a fresher start here at Soccer Weekly with the guests from the LA Galaxy. Let's hope that happens in 2020. Because, you know, look, sometimes, and Mario, you get this too. A lot of times, you know, people who aren't even fans of LAFC or the Galaxy, they're just like, oh, is all you talk about the LAFC on the show? And I'm like, no, of course not. We cover the world. We cover all of the soccer world, both here in the Southland and the rest of the globe. That includes, by the way, LA Galaxy. So, yeah, we talk about it all on this show, and I cannot wait as we get closer and closer. So the Galaxy moves. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. We continue conversations there throughout the show and even after the show is done. Let me know your thoughts on the two teams, both the Galaxy and LAFC heading into 2020. And you're re- how are you feeling about this? Try to be objective. I know if you're a fan of one or the other, it's hard to not put on those fan goggles but i try to be object try to think about what these teams are doing and let me know your thoughts at talk soccer sebastian salazar espn espn fc espn deportes he's all over we love him he's going to be joining us next year on soccer weekly with dave denholm espn la 710 soccer weekly espn la 710 and the first guest of 2020 just about to join us here on the show who better then our friend Sebastian Salazar from ESPN, ESPN FC, and ESPN Deportes. And, uh, Seb, let's get right to it. It's going to be a big year in the world of football. I want to start with you with the U.S. men's national team because it is a big year, certainly, as we get ready to kick off for the uh, the 2022 uh, World Cup qualifying. Boy, everybody's worried. Seb. I, I don't know what to make of Greg Berhalter and this system right now. I know we got the camp coming up. What are your thoughts? What do you want to see in 2020 out of this U.S. men's soccer as we move forward? You know, it's interesting that you say that, that, that you're, everybody's nervous. You know who's not nervous is Ernie Stewart. I mean, let's just go back <laughs> to the quotes that he gave us at the end of last year. Very confident in yeah. qualification, which I thought was a quote that was just way off base. I mean, if, if you yes. know the fans that you're talking to and you're coming out saying you're confident in qualification – Boy, I, I got to really think if you as a business leader know your customers. Um, and so I think, you know, it's fine that everyone's going to come out and give Greg Berhalter a vote of confidence. I think that's fine. That's what a, a, a manager has to do. But to go past it with kind of the what I would say sounded to me like arrogance. You know, I was in Trinidad when they lost. I saw it with my own eyes. Maybe Ernie missed it. Um, but it can happen. It can happen pretty quick. So um, 
I think as we head to the new year, some of the things that we'd hope we'd see change in U.S. soccer, the Federation specifically, um, arrogance has not changed. As, yeah. as far as on the field, I think we need to see, and this is a very low bar, what I'm about to say, we should stop thinking about the U.S. men's national team, what, what they can be on their best days, because that's a ways away. I think what really has to happen with this U.S. men's national team is we need to know what their basement's going to be on their worst days. And I think that's, that's really what is going to define this next cycle. If they can set the basement that U.S. national teams on the men's side had had since the 90s, um, you're going to qualify for a World Cup out of CONCACAF, and you're probably going to do it without a whole lot of problems. But if the basement is potentially Canada 2 nothing in Toronto or Trinidad in Cuba two years ago, or even getting out-possessed and outshot by Curaçao in the quarterfinals of a Gold Cup, then you're talking about a team that is so inconsistent that I really have very serious doubts if they will qualify. Oh, boy. And, I, you know, I can't, I can't argue with anything you said, unfortunately, because I think you're spot on. What does it come down to, Sebastian? We've got talent. I, I, I refuse to believe. Look, I understand maybe we're not at the, the peak of our talent, the landed Donovan, Clint Dempsey, DeMarcus Beasley, Eddie Pope, and the list goes on and on. Maybe we're not quite there, but, man, we've got some talent here, Seb. What is the problem, really, in your eyes? I think that talent that you talk about is like paper talent, if we're being honest. Like, in, in yeah. terms of... We can say that, that Christian Pulisic has accomplished more in Europe than any other American soccer player ever. Um, but, and people do that and they almost take like swipes at Landon Donovan, not appreciating all the things that Landon Donovan did for the national team, which is what I we're judging these guys on. So like, yep. okay, a guy is, McKinney is playing at Schalke. Great. Landon never played at Schalke. But we're not talking about Bundesliga. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I care about the national team. And so these guys are just breaking into the national team, and sometimes they have good games, but sometimes they don't have good games. So those young, talented players, they need to step up. They need to be more consistent. Uh, and then I think there's probably something to be said about the work of the coaching staff. Um, I, I do believe that Greg Berhalter is competent. I, I've just watched him enough in MLS that, that I believe that. I think this past year was a real harsh adjustment for Greg Berhalter going from coaching club to coaching internationally. And and I think the the biggest thing you always hear from managers is I don't have my guys every day. And so when I get them, I have to condense a lot of information. This isn't just from Berhalter, from all international managers. I have to condense a lot of information in a short time. And I think my understanding is that there is a lot of information coming from the coaching staff and that sometimes in short time it's difficult to then take that and execute it onto the field. So I think it is not just up to the players to raise their level. I think also the coaching staff will have to raise its level, and I expect it to, because, again, I think Greg Berhalter is competent, and I think that one year in the international world is enough for him to grow in his second year. Let's not forget, last year was literally his rookie year as an international soccer coach. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very good points all the way around. That's why we love talking with Sebastian Salazar, who joins us here. Big year now coming up for MLS, Seb. Look, we've been knocking on the door in CONCACAF Champions League. That's a hard door to knock down because Liga MX is really good and really underrated, frankly, especially at the top 
of the league, as we've seen with Monterey and the likes. Well, you know the you know the clubs that are always up there: Tigres and Monterey, and, and uh, you know Santos and America. Don't forget my America, Amer- <laughs> Club America. How could I forget? I was saving them for last for you, Seb. But thank you. Is thank this you. the year? I mean, I don't even want to say it that way. Is this the year? Because Toronto should have won a couple of. Se- they were the best team in Concacaf a few, and Chivas went ahead and got the job done. When, how will MLS teams get the job done? How are they going to beat Liga MX here finally in CONCACAF Champions League? Let's approach it from that perspective. Sure. Well, let's acknowledge, first of all, that MLS is within striking distance. And what I mean when I say that is that MLS could win CONCACAF Champions League this year. Um, yeah. Because soccer is that way. Um, if Toronto FC could get to the final and, as you say, should have won it, and I agree with you, then there are better teams, I think, than that Toronto FC in MLS right now, and I think that those teams could go on a run or capable of it, surely. In general, what has to happen for MLS to compete with Liga Amnesty? It's not complicated. Take the training wheels off, right? Stop with the yeah. baby games and spend money. And don't spend money limited and Tam and Gam. And let's know who the real owners in MLS are. You want to be a rich sports owner in America? Let's see you prove it. Bring me superstars. Bring me big players. Go beat Liga Mekis. We're not going to put any structures, rules, regulations on you. I thought these guys were big, big spenders, big money guys. Prove it now. I'm tired of trying to sell fans on mediocre players that the league brings and tries to sell me as stars, and then I see them go to Mexico and, and, and chase them all around for 90 minutes. No, 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 no. The American soccer consumer is smarter than that. So, Bring better stars, take the restrictions off your owners, and let's see, let's see who the American soccer investors with the biggest pockets and the most brains are. Let's, let's, let's let them prove it. Instead of having this, this league where everything's parody and we don't want anybody to get their feelings hurt because they're, because they don't care. Right? Let's, let, let's know who the owners are now that don't care. And, and we, let's expose them for what they are. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely right. And we, you know, we're starting to see that, as Seb says. So, I mean, the, the, the wall is breaking down a little bit in terms of the barrier between how good Liga MX is, which it is. MLS has to rise to that level, not not expect Liga MX to come down. That's just not going to happen. I couldn't agree more. Let's get more specific, uh, Seb, with a couple of clubs. LAFC certainly has the talent as they go into CONCACAF Champions League to win this tough draw, no doubt. Maybe we'll have the toughest path. I happen to think Leon got the toughest draw in the Champions League, of course. But, they, you know, LAFC, a shot to certainly make some noise here. What about uh, with these players that have, you know, obviously we I'm not going to dis- debate players are going to go off for their country and they're going to perform. Eddie Segura will be gone for a while. Eduardo Tuesta, Diego Rossi, the new signing, Ginella, they're all going to be gone with their, you know, nations and then come back for about a week, potentially, maybe two before they have to go play Leon, that's that's an that's a disadvantage, is it not? No, absolutely, uh, absolutely it is. And on top of that, there's the obvious disadvantage, which you hear from MLS teams um, all the time about the scheduling. This is in the beginning of their season for the Mexican teams. It's a little bit further along, so I think conditioning yeah. and game rhythm, those things that you hear pro athletes talk about um, all the time, are critical. Look, I mean, LAFC is for me the best team that MLS can put forward into this competition. If everybody's there, they're MLS's um, best hope, and, and I think they can absolutely make it to a final. Um, and I think they need to, frankly. Uh, Major League Soccer, if not already devalued, has, has basically this year, with the unbalanced schedule, 
killed the supporter shield. So LAFC didn't really, when we look back at the history books, we're going to be talking about an LAFC supporter shield next year. It's not going to exist. The supporter shield is dead. Um, let's be honest. When you're an expansion team in MLS in 2019, 18, you have massive advantages over everybody else. Massive advantages in the way you build your team. LAFC has maximized those advantages and has built an exceptional team. But it has yet to deliver hardware. And whether it's CCL, an MLS Cup, or an Open Cup, it's got to happen. It has got to happen this year. The pressure's on. You didn't bring back Bob Bradley for, to not win trophies, and you didn't bring in Carlos Vela not to win trophies. So um, it's been an amazing couple of years for LAFC, but I think we look at it now, and it's now the time. And if it doesn't happen this year, then you have to start looking at it as what's wrong. Why are you not getting over the hump? Because you have had good teams for the last two years and have failed at home, in the playoffs, elimination knockout games of the Open Cup. Why does that continue to happen? If it doesn't get sorted this year, there has to be a very serious question asked. Uh, very good stuff. As always, it goes fast. We love talking to him. Uh, Sebastian Salazar from ESPN, ESPN FC, and ESPN Deportes. Cannot wait as we kick off the season here in the United States in 2020. Seb, thanks for being the first guest of this uh, new decade. We appreciate you taking the time, buddy. Hey, no worries. I'm always good to be with you. Uh, great stuff. We always appreciate Sebastian Salazar joining us here on Soccer Weekly. He knows what is going on, and we love talking to him about a myriad topics there, as you just heard. And uh, thanks so much for his time. We still got so much more to get to on this episode. It's going to be a lot of fun here. We're going to talk a little bit more about what Seb was just bringing to the table. And we've got black and gold breakdown plus stoppage time. That and so much more. I am Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Uh, Soccer Weekly rolling on here. The start of 2020, and we are kicking it off, pun intended, with some great soccer talk, as we always do each and every week here on ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm. Pleasure to be with you. You can hit me up on Twitter at TalkSoccer. You can follow the show there, continue the conversation after each show. If you miss anything, like that great interview with Sebastian Salazar we just had, you can, of course, podcast the show, right? Just search for Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm on iTunes or ESPN Pod Center. Any of your podcatchers, hopefully it's there. Hopefully you will subscribe. And then if you do and you take a minute, if you want, you can give me a rating and a review. That's fine, too. That would be great. And I can take it. We've been in radio a long time. I can take it if you have any critiques as well. That's fine. It is time to uh, take a look more in-depth at 2020 for LAFC. It is the Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown. It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this. What do I want to see for the black and gold in 2020? That is the black and gold breakdown here on this edition, the first in this new year. What do I want to see for the black and gold in 2020? What is realistic? What are the goals? Look, here's the bottom line about LAFC, and I felt it from the first time I ever met with the club years ago, right, before they kicked off a ball well before then they have the mindset that they are going to be the best now it doesn't just you don't just say that right you, anybody can say that right and, and anybody can even believe it in sports 
My Cleveland Browns always every year say they want to be the best. Of course, everybody wants to be. But LAFC are, have put the building blocks in place that it's happened a lot quicker than anybody would have thought, right? Any any neutral observer, even if you hate LAFC, you know they've been a, a massive success, really, from day one. And that has not uh, stopped. The second year was even better than the first. What do we expect? What do I want to see in 2020? I'll tell you, I said it before the second season. You have to get off, and it's a basic thing. You got to get off to a good start. I know. What does that mean, Denholm? Well, it's easy, in my estimation, to incorporate what a good start is for LAFC in 2020. You got to beat Leon, right? You got to go into the first leg and the second leg, the first round of the Champions League. And beat Leon. You don't know what's going to happen throughout the competition, who else is going to win here and there, and how the bracket's going to look. You take it, these one round at a time. you got to beat Leon. That gives you a great start to the campaign. Secondly, you got to start hot in MLS. Yes, the start is important. We saw it with LAFC in 2019. Come from behind wins early in the season, I believe, catapulted them. Because as we talk about on this show time and time again, draws, well, for lack of, they suck in soccer. Draws are terrible. You dropped points. So you got to come out and win games early in the MLS schedule. And it starts out pretty favorably considering, and I think MLS has done them a bit of a favor, considering you might be involved in the Champions League, hopefully for a while, you do have those three games to start the MLS season at home at the bank in front of your diehard, fantastic fans. There are no fans that are better in MLS. So that's good, right? So what do I want to see? you got to beat Leon and move on. I want to see a good, hot start to MLS's season. What else do I want to see? I want to see that hardware that Sebastian Salazar was just talking about that has eluded them. U.S. Open Cup, MLS Cup. Maybe the Champions League Cup as well. Maybe they'll hoist that in their first ever appearance. But one of U.S. Open Cup and MLS, they got to have them. Now, I'm not saying one or the other. Go win them both. We always joke. Mario and I always joke during the broadcast or even not outside of the broadcast for LAFC. If you're in the U.S. Open Cup, you might as well win it. Right? That's what my poker buddies and I say. Once you buy into a tournament, well... You're there. You might as well go win it. They got to win those competitions. Now, I know that's heavy goals for a third-year team, but, hey, tough. John Thorrington, Bob Bradley, Tom Penn, you set the bar high, guys. This is your doing. <laughs> You've had the success early. Now you, we want more. And, frankly, we're demanding more. The fans are going to demand more. And you know who else is demanding more? John Thorrington, Bob Bradley, and Tom Penn. They know. They see that it's working, but they see that there's room for improvement, which is always a good thing because that's exactly what they have to do on the pitch and off the pitch. you got to get better and better and better. What do I want to see for 2020 with LAFC? i got to make this personal, too. i got to get better. Yeah, bottom line. I'm already working on stuff with my radio calls. I've been working in the offseason. i got to get better. So I want you to hear the difference in 2020 as well. Because you cannot stand pat. 
not only in the sports industry, you can't stand Pat in our industry as well. So I'm going to demand more for myself, too. If the black and gold are going to get better, then i got to get better. And that's what I'm expecting, not hoping for. That's what I'm expecting in 2020 on the black and gold breakdown. So that is black and gold breakdown. We do it. If you're new to the show, welcome. Happy New Year. But that's what we do each and every week. There's a black and gold breakdown segment, and we really take a hard look at LAFC and what's coming up for the 2020 season. It's a long season. I understand games early count just as much, though, as the games late when you're chasing that last playoff spot. I don't mean LAFC, but, you know, the league, or you're chasing after the supporters, or you're trying to break records. you got to win early. you got to win often. And I really want to see oh, that, that really good start again, like the black and gold did in 2019. Let's build on that even further. Hey, we got U.S. men's national team news with the roster announced by Greg Berhalter for this camp in Doha. We mentioned already some local flavor, of course, with Walker Zimmerman. You've got uh, Araujo there for the Galaxy, Lejet for the Galaxy as well. Even Ulysses Yanes, the guy who, you, you former young player for the Galaxy who actually went off to Wolfsburg in Germany, he's on the roster. We'll, we'll take a look further at that and at that friendly coming up at Dignity Health Sports Park on February 1st for this side as well. All that and so much more. Still got stoppage time to get to as well with the great Mario Reese. That's coming up later. I am Dave Dunham. This is Soccer Weekly. ESPN LA 710. Greg Berhalter, U.S. Men's National Team head coach, calls in 25 players that are going to be in this long training camp. U.S. is going to go uh, play over in Doha, Qatar. They're going to uh, have a camp beginning on the 5th here, coming up in just a few days, going all the way through the 25th. And they're going to have closed-door scrimmages, according to U.S. Soccer. And then they're going to come back here down at uh, in Carson at Dignity Health Sports Park. They'll take on Costa Rica for a friendly on February 1st. Now, this is certainly a, an experimental roster here. You're not pulling away guys from Europe, you know, for this long camp, at least not guys who are in season. Uh, there's some names that maybe you've never heard of, depending on how big of a fan you are of the U.S. men's national team. i got to be honest with you, there were a couple of guys I barely had heard of. So, but there's, a, you know, most of them MLS players, a few. There's a few guys from uh, based in Europe. But, again, it's a good camp to kind of just give Berhalter a long look at the day in, day out. Four goalkeepers among them, Bill Hamid, Sean Johnson, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Julian Araujo from the uh, Galaxy defensively, along with Reggie Cannon, among others, Justin Glad, names you've heard of, Aaron Long, Walker Zimmerman is the uh, lone representative from LAFC. Midfield, you got the Dubois, Sebastian Legette, Mario's favorite LA Galaxy player. And uh, Brendan Aronson, a young kid from Philadelphia, which I li- who I like a lot, Jackson Ewell, Paxton Pomichol. There's a, a little pattern there, young, young. Forwards, guys, most of you have heard of, but Ulysses Yanez getting a look, who went over to Wolfsburg in Germany after uh, starting out with the Galaxy in his youth career. Jossi Zardes called up, making his... Well, if he plays against Costa Rica, Jossi Zardes already has 55 caps. Jordan Morris, who's had a had a good 2019. I look to see how he'll build in 20. But, you know, it's a big year. It's a massive camp, and it's a big year because we get going with World Cup qualifying. Yeah, it begins. The journey begins, right? And now with the way it's set up, it's just going to be essentially a six-team group that we have to worry about. But let's get it on. It's the Hex. And 
I can't get I can't wait to get going. And that starts in September. So it'll be here before we know it. And I like the I like what Burhalter's doing. There's a lot of youth here, but we're you know, we talked about it with Sebastian Salazar a little earlier in the show. If you missed it, go back and uh, listen to that interview on the podcast. It's crucial times because the United States we missed the last World Cup. We know. We all know the issues that that brings up, right? That can never happen again. Okay. But here's the thing with the U.S. that I think Burhalter, his job is, is to find guys who are going to be the automatics. And not just in name only, not just because, but rather guys who you know are going to be able to coexist, play alongside Christian Pulisic, for instance. He's got to be big for the U.S. Uh, make no mistake. You might not love his game. You might think he's a little overrated. Maybe he didn't belong at Chelsea, which is a joke. He's so talented. He belongs wherever he wants. But you might not love the guy. He has got to be a crucial part of this. We know that. Now you got to find the guys who can play along with him, and it's not just piecemealing it together every qualifying game, for instance. I want to know who's going to be out there. Barring injury and maybe a little bit of a, you know, a, a surge in form from someone and maybe they break through for, I understand, those things happen. But otherwise, I want to know that I can count on. Remember, I mean, remember back just a few years ago, it was Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey, among others, and DeMarcus Beasley. They were just automatics and they were good. And we knew they deserved to be out there. I want to get back to that with the U.S. Now, one good thing about where we're at is we do have to look towards youth, and we have a lot of young talent. The U.S. does. Now, is it ready? We'll see. Are they the polished, finished article? Not all of them. No, certainly not. But if you're sitting here telling me we don't have any talent or we're so – no, it's just patently not true, which can make it a little more frustrating at times, admittedly, because we are talent. But that has got to be job number one for Burhalter in terms of building towards World Cup 2022. we got to qualify. I get that. But in order to qualify, we have got to start establishing and reestablishing ourselves in this roster. Now, that doesn't mean locking into your favorites if you're Greg Burhalter. That means finding the guys who deserve to be there time and time and time again and going back to them and building something with them. And again, it can't just be 11 guys. I'm talking about 20 to 25 that we know, realistically, these are the U.S. men's national team, unless there's an injury, of course, or some major dip in form before the World Cup. You get the idea. We have got to reestablish ourselves. Half the time, I don't even know who's going to be on the next roster. I mean, we can guess, but most of the time, you're not even going to be correct. That has to stop. We have got to reestablish who the U.S. men's national team is. And then and only then can you start to really build. And I'll say it. I've said it a million times. I know people think I'm crazy. We can win the World Cup in 2022. We can win the whole thing. Yes. Let that sink in. It's not hyperbole. We can do it. Are we a favorite? No, of course not. But we can't. We have the talent in this country. If we get everything right, which we have not done yet, and I'm not sitting here telling you we're going to, but we can. 
And that's the things we should be shooting for in 2020 and beyond. I cannot wait. It's another big part of this calendar year is what happens to the U.S. men's national team. And Greg Berhalter specifically. I want the dude to be successful. I want him to be the best coach the U.S. has ever had. Because that means we will see success on and off the pitch. And that is what we must and absolutely have to strive for. You know what we're striving for here in Soccer Weekly? The best radio show. Not just the best soccer show. That's already a given. The best radio show in all of the land. And the only way you do that week in and week out is to bring you stoppage time next here on Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm hanging out with you. Happy New Year. The first show of 2020 already has been a great one, but we're going to hopefully make it even better. It is the best radio segment in all the business. Time now for Stoppage Time. What time is it? It's Stoppage Time. Yeah, Stoppage Time. It's Stoppage Time. Right now. The great Mario Rees is the host of Stoppage Time, and he is the producer of this show and LAFC football. Mario Happy New Year, buddy. What's going on here at Stoppage Time? 2020. Happy New Year, Dave. Let's get it rolling right here. Inter-Miami is about to get it uh, rolling and kicking off here this season in MLS. Uh, They just hired their new coach, their new manager, Diego Alonso. Now, that shocked a lot of people, Dave, but are you shocked and do you approve? What do you think? Yeah, I don't know about shocked. Uh, It seemed like Inter was having some issues with their coaching search, Mario, right? There was a lot of big names floating around. Yeah, there was a lot of rumors. Didn't seem like they were going to be able to get any of those done. And and, uh, you wondered what was going on because obviously we're weeks away almost, (laughs) essentially. Uh, But, yeah, I like this hire a lot. Uh, I want to say... I know we read MLSsoccer.com a lot. I do I do go there a lot. They, uh, Cesar Hernandez did a great uh, profile of Diego Alonso. Who is Diego Alonso? And it's uh, the name of the article, Who is Diego Alonso? Get to know Inter-Miami's new head coach. If you don't know a lot about Alonso, I highly recommend it. He hits a lot of the highlights for Alonso, both as a player and as a manager, most recently of uh, Monterrey, who we all know has had some serious success. Now, he was let go before Rayados made this uh, great run uh, at the uh, Club World Cup, and of course, winning the uh, title down in Liga Mekis here in the Ligia. But uh, he's had some success. Of course, Pachuca was on his resume. My, well, you know, my second favorite club in uh, Liga Mekis. So you love what he did there. Cesar breaks it down nicely, Mario. He has a, a high pressing style. I have to be very similar with Inter Miami. They're not going to be a team that sits back and trying for the nil nil. So I like it, Mario. I like I like Diego Alonso as a soccer brain, and I think it's the kind of hire that is really good for an expansion club because it's really forcing the issue if you're into Miami. Now, they might not be a great team right out of the jump, but they're going to go after you, and I love seeing that out of an expansion side. And Diego Alonso, he, won the, on that? he won the CCL two times as a manager, right? So I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, it's pretty like, big. I mean, obviously, the, yeah, he knows what he's doing. He knows the game. He had he had stints down in you know other countries. He's coached in Uruguay, of course, and Pan- Paraguay. So he's been around. He's got connections. You know, he knows the game. I think it's a brilliant hire for Inter Miami. Might not be the spiciest name, you know, in the history of it, right? There was a lot of big names floating around, and anytime David Beckham is involved with a team, those rumors are going to fly, to be sure. But I got to tell you, I think it's phenomenal that. Uh, that Diego Alonso is on board there. It's so funny, though, that we talk about Inter-Miami, Mario. Of course, the game coming up on March 1st, LAFC's 
MLS home opener oh, is yeah. against Miami. At the bank. All my wife would do, right? The, my wife's going to that game, of course, because she's like, I want to meet David Beckham. Of course. I got to meet Beckham. So you have to make that happen. So I'm like, oh, great. I was Perfect. telling my wife no about the season there. opener myself, and I was like, oh, it's Miami, <laughs> the new expansion team, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. And she was like, like I want a oh, picture. cool, oh, cool, yeah. cool, whatever. And I said, Beckham is the, you know, the owner. Oh, I'm yeah. there. She's like, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she wants a picture. How am I going to get that done? Come on, Dave. Unbelievable. The- you got oh, the hookup. Jeez. Oh, he does. That's for sure. Mario Rees does. It's stoppage time. <laughs> Thanks, Mario. Thanks so much, everybody. Soccer Weekly in the books yet again. Here we go in 2020 on ESPN LA 710. <laughs>